we're continuing our super series, I think it is anyway, on the next leaders, or if you want to think about it in a different way, our family. You've got it. That's what we're saying each week. It's not just the leaders of the church through the last 2,000 years, but our family. So our family are the men, the women and the children across the continents and across the ages. So we see the church as us quite often, but the church is massive and it's the whole spectrum of the church is much more than we can think about just here because it's massive, it's brilliant. We've been looking at various things over the last few weeks in July and August. We're looking at this series. We've looked at the area around the Mediterranean and how important it was for the church in the early stages to have growth and development by people in that area. We've looked at Germany, the Reformation, Martin Luther. We've looked at this country with Bede, the Venerable Bede, and uh, people like him over uh, many years. Today, we're looking at the social reformers, mainly of the 19th century in this country. What I think they said to themselves was they saw the situation in this country and around the world and they said it can't remain the same. The things that are happening in the world are wrong. These shouldn't be happening. I've got to play my part in making sure it doesn't remain the same. They knew that people were entangled with horrible things in their lives and they knew that God was calling them to make a difference so that they'd play their part in the mission that he was giving them. This is Jesus' mission. Jesus said, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come from heaven, where he was glorified and worshipped and adored. But Jesus didn't come to earth, so he'd sit on a beautiful throne and have all of us just saying, oh, Jesus, Jesus. Because we weren't like that then, were we? We hated God by our actions, by our lifestyles. We didn't do what he wanted. But Jesus came because he loved us. Maybe you might remember what, Jesus, what Barbara was reading, how Jesus said it, not long after he'd been tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He said it in a synagogue. He said these verses, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And when I read that, I often like the next sentence because it says, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Now, when I was younger, I used to study animals a lot. I don't know, did you study animals? It wasn't just at school, but maybe uh, uh, things on the television, like cartoons. That, that helped me to study, because, say, for example, Tom and Jerry. These had the knack of when they really looked at something, their eyes really popped out. Do you know what I mean? I'm imagining the people in that synagogue to be like Tom and Jerry. And I know it's true, because it showed you on television, their eyes popping out. But it's the Greek word, uh, to stare at, to be fully occupied. Does that sound like Tom and Jerry? Their eyes coming right out, to stretch, to strain. And it's not just to stretch, to strain, but it's got this 
alpha at the beginning of it. And so, as it says, it's the intensive alpha, if you want to make a note of that in your books. It's the intensive alpha, so it's not just staring, but it's the Tom and Jerry stare. That they're really looking at what Jesus had said and what he was doing. What did Jesus say after that? You've just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. Jesus was saying, it's me. This scripture, the one that Barbara read about, that Isaiah had prophesied several hundred years before, had, uh, it was him. It was all about him. And, and so now people were saying, can this be true? Is that right? That's why they were doing the Tom and Jerry stare, because this was someone with authority who was speaking about scripture with himself. Jesus came to set people free from their chains. That's what Isaiah was all about. Chains that might be metaphorical, but chains are what people's lives are all kind of tangled up in. So they can't live properly. They can't live the way that God intended because they've got chains all wrapped up in their life. And Jesus came to serve and to get rid of those chains in people's lives. Remember, these men were saying it can't remain the same. And Jesus came to earth because he knew we couldn't remain the same. It was Jesus coming to earth, which we'll remember in communion in a little while, that changes the world. But do you remember how Jesus sometimes almost has a go at the Pharisees, who should have known better? I'll read this to you, just in case you can't read it for yourself. This is from uh, Matthew 23, 23 to 28. Woe to you, experts in the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give 10% of your mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faith. You should have done these things and not failed to do the other things. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. And you can read the rest of it now if you want to. But you see what Jesus is saying to the people that should have known better, who should have been leading the people of Israel. It's not just the outward show that matters, but what's going on in your heart. I think it's around here somewhere, isn't it? What's going on inside you, in your thoughts? What's going on so that you are right with God and not just being a hypocrite and doing things that you think are okay to show to people but really aren't good where we're at home in secret. Here's Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. Again, these are all perhaps uh, parts of the Bible you're familiar with. He has made it clear to you, mortal man, what is good and what the Lord is requiring from you to act with justice, to treasure the Lord's gracious love and to walk humbly in the company of your God. So he's saying three things. We need justice in the world. We need kindness. And we need humility as well. And as we say, we're thinking about these social transformers. And they would have known that God didn't just leave us to ourselves. God didn't just see the problem of sin 
And it was a very real problem, because as I've put there, it's stringent. If you sin, you don't go to heaven. You go to hell, because that is, that's where you're fit for. If you're a sinner, you're not fit for heaven. It's not good people that go to heaven. It's people that know Jesus as their saviour and say, Lord, I'm, a, I'm terrible. I need you. Will you do something in my life today so I can live for you today and then know a hope in the future for the future? I like the Moravians. I think we've uh, got a symbol about them at the, at, uh, in the prayer room. But they said in Latin... I shall translate it, just in case your Latin isn't up to date. Our lamb has conquered. Let us follow him. What we're trying to say, what they're saying is, it's not just good enough to say, thank you, Jesus. You have done this all for us. Now we can just sit down and relax, knowing that we've got our passport to heaven. Everything is fine and dandy. Thank you very much. Let us follow him. Let us do what Jesus did. Let us take out of our own homes and go to other people's homes. Let's not just think about our own lives, but look at the lives of other people as well. I don't know if you were looking at the slides as we went through the serv- uh, before the service this morning, but one of them was here. And you might think, oh, he's never put that up before, because usually there are plenty of things that are happening, but during the summer... It's like, oh, what's happening? And I could have just put up Oasis Cafe because that's the only physical thing, really, that's happening this week. But it's not on just the only thing that's on our personal agenda, is it? I've put this as well. We want to spend time with God, tune in to God, reflect God's glory and all these other things. That's a daily thing that can be on our to-do list. Sometimes we might spend a lot of time with God Sometimes we might spend less, but the priority every day is to say, yes, Lord, I want to tune into you today. I'm going to be silent for a little while, however long that might be. It changes every day for me at the length, but I want to tune into you. And I know, and you know as well, when we tune into God, it affects us, doesn't it? Remember how we said it can't remain the same. We can look at the problems around the world and say it can't remain the same. So, in a brief way, we're going to look at the selective problems of the world. I don't do do a small thing, do I? But of the world in recent centuries. We're just going to look at what happened, what are some of the big issues of the world, and what happened to counteract them, and who might have done something. There's a clue. Lots of our family did things about it to change things from going on. There's something very shameful I want to talk about first. Slavery. I looked up this week that approximately 12.5 million people were taken from Africa to America over several centuries. Isn't that shameful? 12.5 million people were taken from their homes, their families, what they knew was right and good for them, and taken on big boats across treacherous seas for a journey that would have taken a long time, and then they were made to work on plantations. 
Shameful. Terrible. Now, in our day, we, we just see it for what it is. But several hundred years ago, people were saying, that's okay. But God was talking to several people and saying, you've got to do something about this. It can't remain the same. John Newton was one of those captains of slave ships. Remember, he wrote Amazing Grace. He was a horrible man. God changed him. This is what he said. I am not what I ought to be. This is after he became a Christian. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then he wrote something else a while later. Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner. And Christ is a great saviour. John Newton was a terrible man, but he was saved by God's grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, remember. And he changed, but he didn't just want to change for himself. He knew society and the beliefs of the society he lived in needed to change as well. But it took a long time. And it took several people doing something about it. Here's some of their names. Granville Sharp, William Wilberforce, Joseph Sturge. People like this face other people saying, no, slavery is good. We need it. Our economy won't survive without it. And other rubbish things like that. But year after year, they kept at it. And so by 1807, there was something being done about it. And then by 1833, quite a few years later, more was done. But it was pretty rubbish still, because compensation was given to the slave owners. Don't understand that. Well, I do, because I've read about it. But what about the slaves? How many million people were taken from Africa? 12.5. What happened to them? What were done for them? And yet it was the slave owners. But at least it was progress. At least things changed. Because these people like William and John and Granville were saying, yes, enough is enough. It can't remain the same. How about another problem? There was a lot of illiteracy in this country. Children were going to work six days of the week. There was one day a week when they didn't work. Church day, Sunday. And so what did Robert Rakes do when he was in Gloucester? He started a Sunday school. Now, we are just used to Sunday schools in this country and other countries, and I'm very grateful that in the 1970s, I went to a Sunday school and I learnt a lot. And they had strange songs and people that did strange things, but I learnt a lot about God then, so that when I was ready to give my life to God in 1983, I could say, I've got a bit of a foundation here. I understand some of this, and now, Jesus, will you come into my life? But it started off because people were illiterate. And Robert Rakes, this man, who had some money and who was able to do these things, was able to say, I'm going to set up a school. And then, like it says 
it used the Bible as a textbook. And then other things spread. Other people knew it was a good idea. And so what Robert Rakes did spread. People started to be able to read and write, and they knew the Bible was important. How about another person? George Muller. You might have heard of him as well. He was born in Prussia, like we call it Germany now. But he spent most of his life in Bristol, where there are lots of orphans. And you can see the statistics. How amazing that in his long life, he and his team looked after over 10,000 orphans. Why did he do it? God told him to. And when he's heard God say, it can't remain the same, what are you going to do about it? George said, okay, in my small way, I'm going to do something for you, Lord, because you're calling me to take action. 120,000 people, children, were looked after. There was no social security, no state help, but he did something about it because he heard God's call. Should we look at someone else? What about our favourite lady with the lamp, Florence Nightingale? Of course, you all know now why she was called Florence. Because she was born in Florence. And she had a sister who had a... I can't remember her name now. It began with P. And it's another city or town in Italy. And it's an Italian name, but I can't remember what it is because it's... Uh, it's not coming to mind. Oh, oh, no, no, that would come to mind. <laughs> yeah, but it was several, several syllables. And, uh, yeah, because her mum and dad, their mum and dad, Florence and her sister, had a lot of money, so they were doing the grand tour. And uh, after they'd got married, they spent two or three years travelling around Europe just because they had a lot of money. And so their first daughter was born in Florence, so they called her Florence, and then another daughter was born somewhere else, and they called her by that name. I wasn't born in John. <laughs> My mum and dad were more imaginative than that. But we know about Florence Nightingale, don't we? We know she looked after soldiers in the Crimean War. In the Crimea. Now, I know you know that. But Crimea is still in the news, isn't it? Because of Russia and Ukraine and things like that. But I think it's pretty amazing that Florence, when she was 16 heard God say to her, I want you to do something. What did her mum and dad say? No, Florence, you can't do that. We're dignified. We're the gentry. We don't do things like that. We might employ people to do that. But you shouldn't get your hands dirty. You shouldn't do things like that. Do you know what? She was 16 when she heard God call her. I want us to pray even more for our teens because what are they doing for God? Can they have God's call on their life right now? Of course they can. Not to do things in the future, although, yes, indeed, but to do things for God this year, this month. Her parents said no. But can we be enablers? Can we encourage people, whatever their age? It was just Florence was 16. So can we encourage the teenagers, the people younger than us, to do things for God. And the people older than us as well. But can we be enablers, encouragers, so that people say, okay, I think if you pray for me and help me, I'm going to step out and just try and see if I can do this. Because I know God is calling me. I've heard his voice. She wasn't just involved in the Crimean, uh, Crimean War. 
But also, her heart was to set up modern methods for nursing in this country. And then it spread abroad as well. So nurses became better trained because of Florence Nightingale and the things she did. She heard a call from God. And isn't the world a better place because of Florence Nightingale hearing from God and doing something about it, saying, yes, God, I've heard you speak to me. I'm going to do that. How about someone else? How about John Howard, the Earl of Shaftesbury, William Booth? All these people heard God speak, and many others as well. All of them heard God speak, and then they said to God, I hear you speak. You're calling me to do this or this or that. Oh, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be tricky. But you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, I know you're with me. You're asking me to do something because the situation I can see can't remain the same. If we think back to all the people we've discussed, John Wesley came before them. And I know, and perhaps you know as well, John Wesley had a big effect on all the people we've been discussing because he too was a man of prayer and he had this strange feeling when God said, I want you to follow me. I want you to give your life to me and see other other people's lives changed as well. So he had an influence. Some of them personally, some of the people we've mentioned personally knew John Wesley and his act of going round America and this country of telling people the gospel had an effect. But who had an effect on John Wesley? Do you remember her name? What was John Wesley's mum's name? Oh, Suzanne. Oh, of course it is, isn't it? She was a mum. She was a woman of prayer. I know my mum has influenced me. She's prayed for me for years. And so I've turned out better than I might have done, let me tell you. But I want you all to know, whatever your age, you can be like Susanna Wesley. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to be reading the Bible. Give yourself to encouraging people that are younger than you or the same age as you. And the world is going to be transformed. Because we all have an influence on other people. Susanna had an influence on John. John had an influence on loads and loads of people because he heard God speak, just as Susanna had heard God speak. Bring up your children in the right way and they're going to do great things for me. So let's be encouraged. We can all be Susannas. Whether we've got lots of energy or little energy, we can hear God speak and say, Lord, will you help me to pray? Will you help me to make a difference in how I am today? Thank you, Lord, for what you did for me and what you did through me 30 years ago or 40 years ago. But today, God, I know you're still calling me. You've still got something for me to do. It can't remain the same. That's what those people would have said. That's what Jesus said. And for all these people, they were getting people's chains off them. The slaves, the illiterate children, the people that uh, were working down mines, the people that didn't have anything to eat and drink. Christians 
like us, our family made a difference in society. Do you remember the story about Queen Esther? Her uncle said this to her. This is Esther 4, verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I don't know if I should bow before you because you're all in a royal position. Who's your father? Are we related to King Jesus? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yesterday, Jill and I went around Buckingham Palace. Charles wasn't in. He didn't show us around personally. But it's amazing. All these big chandeliers and everything going on. Real beauty. But that's nothing in comparison to our God. The beauty and the joy that we have through him is everything. We are in a royal position for such a time as this in 2023 because all of us have an influence. All of the people we have explored use their jobs, their money, their family connections, their, their character, their abilities to initiate positive change in the society that they lived in. I'm looking at you now because you can see the challenge for us all today. How are you using your gifts, your character, your time, your family connections to have a, a really positive change on the society we live in? Thank goodness that people didn't just stop doing these things centuries ago. But even today, there's Christian organisations that have been started and are continuing to alleviate problems in society. And there are many still, aren't there? Nuneaton can't remain the same. Or wherever you're from. Wherever you live, wherever you call home, can't remain the same. And God is calling all of you, and me as well, to make a difference because it can't remain the same. Jesus said, and he said from Isaiah chapter 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Sometimes when I watch television programmes or read a magazine, there's a before photo and an after photo, after the transformation. I'm looking round today, and I'm looking at myself as well, and I'm thinking, Lord, how wonderful that you are calling all of us to transform the part of the world that we are in.
We are a city on a hill. We're light. We're salt. And that is both a a pleasure and a, a real brilliant thing. But also it's, Lord, you're calling me? So I'm going to pray. And then Fiona's going to help us respond. But I'm going to pray that the Lord would help us to see people in chains and help us in our small ways or big ways to make a difference to the people that we see, just as those people who transformed so many lives in the 19th century and before and afterwards did as well. So let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you that you do call us. You've anointed us to go on mission with you. Lord, whatever our age, whatever abilities we have, we thank you for who we are today. And we thank you that we haven't retired. We can still do things for you. You're still calling us to do things for you. So we submit our lives to you. And Lord, we open our minds and hearts to you and say, will you lead us, will you guide us to do what you're calling us to do, to make a difference in society. We thank you for our family that have done it in the past. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're calling us to do today in this country and elsewhere as well. Amen.